Welcome to the Three Martini Lunch. Grab a stool next to Greg Corumbus of Radio America and Jim Garrity of National Review. Three Martinis coming up. Very happy to have you with us for the Wednesday edition of the Three Martini Lunch. We have good, bad, and crazy martinis for you today, as usual. And, Jim, I know we keep saying eventually the Democrats are going to find a way to agree to pass reconciliation infrastructure. And that's probably still what's going to happen. But whenever you see news that, you know, they're not really close on this thing, uh, it makes us smile. And for that, we turn to uh, Punchbowl News. It's a relatively new organization, but it's uh, Jake Sherman and a couple other folks who have uh, built up pretty strong reputations in Washington. And they start off by saying, let's be blunt. Democrats aren't close to a framework agreement on their massive reconciliation bill. We've heard Biden, Pelosi, and Schumer talk about great progress, but our reporting and the available public evidence doesn't match these sunny claims. Biden hoped to have the framework deal in place before he leaves for Rome on Thursday, but without a big turnaround in the next 24 hours, that's not going to happen. It also calls into question whether Pelosi and House Democratic leaders can pass the infrastructure deal by their October 31st deadline. The White House badly wants to clear the public works bill, as do moderate House Democrats. However, without the framework agreement, we're pretty sure it won't pass. Pelosi says it should. Progressives say they'll continue to block it as they await a social spending deal. There is some signs that the progressives are getting a little bit of what they wanted, including uh, climate spending of half a trillion dollars. Uh, Jim, so that would obviously be horrible. But the uh, bottom line here from Punchbowl, after six weeks of pretty steady negotiations, Democrats have not come to agreement on the top-line cost of the package, what's in the legislation, or how to pay for it. That's a paragraph we love right there. Greg, I was going to say that Punchbowl story was my second favorite direct and succinct assessment of what the state of play was on Capitol Hill in the last 24 hours. But my absolute favorite came from my colleague, Phil Klein. Uh, yesterday, Manu Raju of CNN was giving his latest update, and it was that Democrats hope to get a deal on the framework by the end of the day tomorrow, which would be you know the end of today, Wednesday. Uh, but at lunch, they said there were a couple key issues not yet resolved. And he lists off one, Medicare, two, Medicaid, three, paid family leave, four, immigration, five, taxes. And oh, by the way, he adds, Climate hasn't been resolved, but Democrats say they're getting closer. But they still hope they're going to have a deal by the end of today, by the end of tomorrow. To which my my colleague Phil Klein says, so you're saying not by tomorrow. (laughs) (laughs) No way you're working out six thirty issues in less than 24 hours. Unless like there's something really, you know, everybody just gives up and says, fine, you know, we'll go with whatever you want. Now, you know, since we're not particularly invested in this bill at all, it's kind of amusing and fun. I imagine if you're a progressive, you feel like Lucy in the football right now, that, that every week it's, oh, we really think we're close to it. No, we're almost there. And, uh, you know, and, and you know, that, that now they're throwing in kind of foreshadowing our, our next marquee. They're throwing in new tax ideas. And, you know, today's morning jolt is all about how the tobacco tax that they want to enact is extraordinarily regressive. And this is going to, they want to double cigarette taxes, right? This is, they're both pretty significantly taxed already. So this totally blows up Biden's, uh, you know, if you're not making more than $400,000 a year, I'm not going to raise a single penny of your taxes. No, that's not true at all. Um, so I think there's, I guess my sense that the whole thing blows up is starting to inch up in part because I just, I'm not sure 
there's just so much left to do that I don't, I don't do it by the end of this month. And maybe it goes into November. Maybe it goes into December. Maybe by the end of the year they get there. But it really feels like they still have a lot of ways to go. And it also feels like they're kind of not being honest with themselves about um, how much how much further they have to go and how far apart they are. But, uh, Greg, I guess it's a lesson. If you spend a lot of time lying, as Democratic senators do, sooner or later you end up lying to yourself. Yeah, I guess so. I guess so. And obviously their ultimate goal is to uh, is to get this done and probably to get it done so they can hope people forget about it by next year, which they clearly will not if history is any guide. But they're also hoping to uh, get it done this week to give Terry McAuliffe a little bit of a, a, a jump because, uh, you know, a lot of government workers, a lot of Democrats, they might be enthused by something significant getting passed right before the election day. And if they can't get it done by Tuesday, uh, maybe that takes away a little bit of a, an enthusiasm bump for Democrats, marginally, I would say. But uh, anyway, the longer this plays out, yeah, popcorn time, as far as I'm concerned, as long as uh, we uh, are not getting them to a finish line deal here. All right. Well, let's talk about uh, something far more delicious than Democratic spending priorities, and that's meat. Yeah, that's right. Free bacon. Would you like to get some free bacon? I mean, who wouldn't like to get free bacon, honestly? And that's what you're going to get when you sign up for Moink Box. And look, uh, Moink is a lot more than the bacon, although the bacon itself is is fantastic. Uh, you've got the steaks. Uh, you've got uh, pork chops. You've got chicken. I mean, it's just delicious all the way around. We've both, Jim, been uh, blessed to have uh, the Moink Box arrive on our door. You grill it. You cook it however you want to. Uh, every single time, it's delicious. Moink delivers grass-fed and grass-finished beef and lamb, pastured pork and chicken, and wild-caught Alaskan salmon direct to your door, helping family farms become financially independent outside of big agriculture. Their animals are raised outdoors, their fish swim wild in the ocean, and Moink meat is free of antibiotics, hormones, sugar, and all the other junk you find pre-packaged in the meat aisle. You sign up at moinkbox.com martini, you get a year of bacon for free, and then you pick what meats you want to get, deli- you want to get delivered in your first box. You can change what you get each month and cancel any time. Yeah, absolutely fantastic meat. Jim's raved about it. I've raved about it. I will continue to rave about it because it is true. Moink meat is so delicious. We love it, and we're very confident that you will, too. Join the Moink movement today. Go to moinkbox.com slash martini right now, and listeners to the Three Martini Lunch will get free bacon for a year. That's one year of the best bacon you'll ever taste, but for a limited time. Spelled M-O-I-N-K box.com slash martini, moinkbox.com slash martini. All right, Jim, from that deliciousness, we go to the horror of our bad martini, and it's this billionaire's tax. It's only going to affect 700 people, and it's basically you know taxing people's wealth instead of their income. Uh, finance chair on the Senate side, Ron Wyden of Oregon, wants to begin requiring people with more than $1 billion in assets or who earn more than $100 million in three consecutive years to begin paying capital gains taxes each year on the appreciation in value of their assets, regardless of whether they are sold. We've talked about this before. It's the unrealized capital gains. So if your house leaps up in value, which we certainly see uh, right now with, with the market the way it is, you're going to be taxed on that, even though you've never seen the money coming from that. 
you're seeing higher property taxes as a result of those values, but you're not actually seeing any profits from it. Nonetheless, the government would come in and sock you uh, for that, as well as uh, investments and, and everything else. And they're already talking. L- listen to this uh, headline from uh, Politico. Wyden fills in details for billionaires' income tax. It would be a fundamental change in how the tax system operates and open up a new revenue stream for the Treasury, one some liberals hope will eventually be extended to millionaires as well. Because they probably found out there aren't that many billionaires, Jim, so they can't pay for that much. So then we got to go to the millionaires, and then when they run out of money taxing the millionaires to death, guess who they're coming after next? Yeah, you know, people like you and I and, and lots of other people who might be considered Henry's, high earners, not rich yet. Um, this is, you know, at this point, just insert every conservative standard anecdote about the alternative minimum tax. This was, once again, another tax that was done that, oh, we're only going to target rich people. And of course, as income steadily growed, and of course, with the effects of inflation, year by year, decade by decade, lots of people who didn't think of themselves as rich suddenly were getting hit by the alternative minimum tax. Look, this happens every year, every cycle. The minimum wage goes up, wages go up. Our definition of rich keeps going up bit by bit, but our tax laws do not get it uh, changed nearly as much. And this is um, kind of, you know, kind of our, our first two martinis intertwined. This is relatively late in the negotiating process to suddenly come up with this completely different way of taxing people that's never really been applied before. And usually when Democrats propose a big tax hike like this, you'll find lots of conservative tax experts saying, no, no, this is a bad idea. I'm finding more like center and, and non-conservative tax experts looking at this and saying, this is going to be really hard to implement because right now you buy something and then you sell it. You may, you pay taxes on the income you get from when you sell it, whether it's a stock or real estate or a piece of artwork or collective, whatever, whatever you, you know, you're taxing the money, right? This would take, this would tax your stuff. This would basically say, well, you own this building or you own this home. It has gone up in value over the past year. You have to get pay taxes on that as if it was income coming to you. Now, you know, we all, lots of people log on to Zillow and take a look at, you know, how much is my house supposed to be worth right now and all that stuff. But it's not like you have that money. Zillow, you know, as anyone who's you've gone through any type of home sales process will tell you, including us a couple of years ago, the value of your home is what somebody's willing to pay for it. <laughs> and if nobody wants to buy your home, then it's actually worth nothing, right? You know, you are only, it, it doesn't matter what Zillow says. It doesn't matter what some website or some formula says. If nobody wants to buy your particular home, you're going to be finding yourself in a real tough situation. This entire provision from the Democrats just ignores all this. And it, you know, would tax really effectively everything, you know, pieces of artwork that you'd kind of have to guess and assess the value of and how much it changes from year to year. Somebody raised the question, how about intellectual property? Uh, how do you assess the value of that from year to year? All these things that really aren't assessed all that regularly on your value. Uh, jewelry, right? Family heirlooms, all this kind of stuff that you get. You'd have to say, all right, is the, what is the value of it? And then under the U.S. tax system, under this provision, you then have to pay taxes on it if it increased in value, even though the amount of money you have has not changed. That painting was just still standing there on your wall. Nothing changed at all, except maybe the maybe the artist died or, or maybe... Uh, something else happened that made that seem much more valuable to other collectors, but you're not trying to sell it. So the whole thing seems really complicated and unworkable. Um, It's probably not going to come to an action. I heard a lot of people saying this is something Democrats are just throwing out there in order to to, to basically win the CBO score, uh, to basically convince people that this passes, that this does for itself. 
And if the Supreme Court strikes it down or if there's something else that needs to just happen, don't worry about it. We got we got the spending bill we want and everything works out fine. It's a really unworkable idea. And the fact that they're already talking about the billionaire's tax turning into a millionaire's tax is an indicator of how what the real you know agenda is behind this piece of legislation. Exactly. And I think you're right. It is uh, a way to paper over the actual cost of this. And then when they run up deficits, uh, they can act shocked about this. Politico pointing out that the reason they're doing this is because Kirsten Cinema doesn't want income tax hikes, corporate tax hikes, regular capital gains hikes. So uh, this is uh, kind of their, their workaround for that. So, um, you know, she's a major player on the policy side here, obviously. It's, she's not just significant because she wears denim when presiding over the Senate uh, like she did yesterday. But uh, in the end, you know, it's not just a one-time deal either. Every time things appreciate, uh, they sock you for those taxes again, even though you never saw the money. Absolutely insane. But what's not insane? Uh, the amount of comfort you can get from the products at my pillow. What's slightly insane is the size of the deal you can get on them right now, especially on the Giza Dream Sheets. The pillows are great. The towels are great. But right now, you can buy one and get one free on any set of Giza Dream Sheets when you use our promo code MARTINI at MyPillow.com. Imagine sliding into the most comfortable sheets you will ever own, guaranteed. These sheets are made from the world's best cotton and grown only in a region between the Sahara Desert, the Mediterranean Sea, and the Nile River. The long staple cotton makes these sheets ultra soft and breathable. They're available in a variety of colors and sizes that are machine washable, and they have a 60-day money-back guarantee and a one-year limited warranty. For a limited time, buy one, get one free on all Giza Dream Sheets. Go to MyPillow.com, click on the radio listener square, and use the promo code MARTINI at checkout. Or call 800-874-0104 and find deep discounts on all MyPillow products, including the MyPillow mattress topper, MyPillow towel sets, and so much more. Don't miss this sale of the year. That's MyPillow.com, promo code MARTINI, or call 800-874-0104. Sleep better with MyPillow.com. All right, Jim, on to the crazy martini now. And the big news out of the State Department is... We got a lot more people out of Afghanistan. Oh, no, no, that's not it. Uh, China, we were cracking, no, not cracking down on China. No, the United States, according to Associated Press, has issued its first passport with an ex-gender designation, a milestone in the recognition of the rights of people who don't identify as male or female and expects to be able to offer the option more broadly next year. The U.S. Special Diplomatic Envoy for LGBTQ Rights, Jessica Stern, calls the moves historic and celebratory saying they bring the government documents in line with the lived reality, her words, that there's a wider spectrum of human sex characteristics than is reflected in the previous two designations. So, Jim, following on their uh, tremendous celebration of International Pronouns Day, the State Department is clearly focusing on the the issues that matter most here. But there's also practical issues here. You know, if uh, people go missing or people are accused of of crimes overseas or, or what have you, uh, this is going to add a lot more confusion than clarity here, I think. But uh, what do you make of the State Department's priorities uh, as well as anything else here? Greg, when I saw the, this news, I was reminded of just a few days ago, Vice President Kamala Harris announcing the administration's gender agenda. Right. Uh, the, the, the gender plan. This is their idea of, of, you know, a really important pressing priority. And they, they don't have anything on the supply chain crisis. They don't have anything on the border crisis. They don't have anything on the inflation crisis. And they're continuing to say they're, you know, they're trying to get people out of Afghanistan. They don't really have any, you know, uh, they're having intermittent success at that, at best at that. And uh, as I understand it, if you're in, if you're a special immigrant visa holder 
in Afghanistan, they still want you to go to a U.S. embassy in another country so that they can approve your paperwork so that you can leave the country of Afghanistan. Um, which of course is you know very much a chicken and egg sort of thing. Like you, if I had the paperwork to leave the country, I wouldn't need to go to. I, I could go to your embassy. The problem is I can't go to because you don't have a U.S. embassy in Afghanistan anymore. We don't have any consulates. We don't have any place to do it. So you know it's basically you know you need to um, you need to leave the country in order to get permission to leave the country. Like there's all kinds of real problems in this world for the State Department to address that that don't involve you know oh I. I feel oppressed by having to put an M or an F on my uh, passport. That you don't know stuff. And I kind of have this sneaking suspicion. You see more of this. You don't see this amongst every Democratic office holder, but there, there's this 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 sensibility that big problems are hard. I'm not gonna lie. You know, Afghanistan is an absolute utter mess. There was a Pentagon said that they think ISIS K is going to be able to uh, launch attacks against the U.S. Uh, within the next six months. It's complicated. It's difficult. It's hard. Of course, you know, Biden had said, don't worry, don't worry, I got this. You know, I'm not going to shut down the country. I'm not going to shut down the economy. I'm going to shut down the virus, you know. And he has this sense, oh, no, don't trust me. Once I get in there, it's going to be easy. And, of course, policymaking is hard. The world has all kinds of thorny problems. Inflation is a big problem. Supply chain problem is a big problem, you know. So I have this tendency to just kind of like, well, I can't do anything about those. And that's hard. And uh, we end up with a... Uh, a situation where it's like, well, I can't solve that problem. Let me find some other problem I, I, that, that isn't that bad, but I can act like it's a really bad problem, and I'll deal with that. I, you know, the, the one that comes to mind most often is when you see these, you know, huge, you know, big exposés on the, the terrible, pressing societal phenomenon of microaggressions. I, very often, what these are is somebody says something that offends someone else. That's bad. It's not good. I, don't, don't go out of your way to offend people. But a lot of these cases are either inadvertent or somebody being a clod. You know, there are certain people I need to periodically say, you know, we don't, you know, Oriental is a rug. We don't really refer to people as Orientals anymore. Those say, uh, Biden a few years ago referred to these Shylocks, and a lot of people don't like to use that term. They think it's kind of a, an anti-Semitic stereotype. Now, here's the thing: I don't think I don't think Joe Biden is a raging anti-Semite. It's not as friendly as, as to Israel as he could be. Um, but the idea is that generally of people who've been raised a generation or two ago, they use words that are, you know, kind of uh, unpleasant to the ears these days, not as sensitive as they could be. But generally, there's not a great deal of maliciousness out of it. And the whole idea of somebody inadvertently causing somebody else offense just doesn't strike me as the sort of thing that requires a massive societal, ooh, we got to do something about this. You know, there, there are much bigger problems in society to address than this. It's the same thing, you know, oh, you know, some people don't feel good when they use their passports and they only have two options. Okay, but we got Americans still in Afghanistan. That's a much bigger problem. Let's say there are people who could die. Okay, there's you know we still haven't figured out anything about how the or, the COVID nineteen pandemic set, or at least say you know government doesn't want to investigate this sort of thing. Um, we really on you know, this this sneaking suspicion that we have an entire class of people in government who can't really do anything about the really difficult problems in society. So they look for other problems that aren't really that bad and just want to like ooh these are so big and so important. And they do that so they can feel accomplished because actually getting things done and actually solving real problems in society is so hard. And if they, you know, they, they certainly couldn't acknowledge the fact that maybe they're not that good at solving problems. Could they, Greg? <laughs> yeah, they'll, they'll feed you a line of something on uh, how many people are left and every other crisis that they're uh, seemingly not competent to address. But, uh, yeah, they're all over it when it comes to this stuff. So. Amazing. Amazing. Well, Jim, you seem to have so much fun um, traveling last Thursday and Friday that I think I'm going to do it. So I'm going to do that. Chad Benson will be in for me. Uh, looking forward to uh, visiting the great folks at Hillsdale College, and I will see you on Monday. Happy trails, Greg.
Thank you, sir. Jim Garrity, National Review. I'm Greg Corumbus of Radio America. Thanks so much for being with us today. Please subscribe to the podcast if you don't already. Tell your friends about us as well. Also, thank you so much for your kind reviews and your five-star ratings. Those are a huge help to us. Remember to get us on those home devices. All you have to say is play 3 Martini Lunch Podcast. And follow us on Twitter. He's at Jim Garrity. I'm at Dateline underscore DC. Have a great Wednesday, and please join us again on Thursday for the next 3 Martini Lunch. We are living in difficult times where people fear having thought-provoking conversations about pressing issues. And although we're in the midst of an information explosion, there are a lot of forces aiming to distort what's true. I created The Bill Walton Show to provide a forum for in-depth, thought-provoking conversations with leaders, artists, entrepreneurs, and thinkers. Please join me at thebillwaltonshow.com to explore what's true, what's right, and what's next.